Wow, so there's a lot to talk about here. Could have talked about this this uh, gospel reading again, which uh, is Queen of Sheba. I've mentioned it a little bit before. I could be talking about John the 23rd and his important role in divine mercy. I could be talking about Columbus and he's bringing the faith to the new world. And I could talk about the indigenous peoples like at Guadalupe who converted through the intercession of Our Lady. So you could stay with me and I could do four long homilies. So, but no, uh, I think what's the highlight is John the 23rd. And that's why I want to say a couple words right now on him. Um, this is an important day uh, because it is the day that he opened Vatican II. This is the anniversary of Vatican II being started on, in 1962. That's why his feast day is today. He was canonized, if you remember, just a few years ago in 2014, along with John Paul. They were canonized together. So let's look at this. Now, he was born Angelo Giuseppe Roncalli, all the way back in 1881. Now, he was in a small, born on a small Italian farm, and he was the fourth of 14 children. And so uh, a good Italian Catholic family. And he would help his brothers out in the fields. This is pretty much what his job was like, like Faustina, until he went to seminary in 1892. Now, he lived through World War I and World War II, and many say that's why he was known to be so much a fosterer of peace. He always talked about peace. And so when he was elected Pope, it was during the Cold War, the height of the Cold War, 1958. He continuously called for peace. Now here's what's very interesting that I bet you didn't know. Who was the reason, or what was the reason Khrushchev, remember the, if you've heard about the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Russians were bringing missiles over to Cuba, just 90 miles from the U.S. Florida coast. And there's a big confrontation with Kennedy back in 63, was it? Was it or 62? So anyway, a lot of people know, or the facts are, Khrushchev blinked. And he turned those ships around. And everybody has hailed Kennedy. They should. He's a strong man in that situation, and he held firm. But here's what most people don't know. Actually, it was John the 23rd that got Khrushchev to turn those missiles around. This is written down. This is a fact. He broadcast a message over Vatican radio during those 13 days of crisis to all the rulers of the world, and he said, I beg you, I beg you not to be deaf to the cry of humanity, to save humanity. Khrushchev said later, that's why he changed his mind. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't know that until I was studying John the 23rd. How little we give him credit for saving perhaps the world. This is an amazing man. The message encouraged Khrushchev to back down. And as we said, we credit Kennedy. And in many ways, that's true. But nobody credits John the 23rd. I think it's fascinating. So his pontificate was very short. It's only five years. But he's one of the most beloved popes of all time. 
That's very interesting. In fact, he's known as Good Pope John. You know, he was the first pope since 1870 to leave the Vatican. I find that unbelievable. He was the first pope since 1870 to leave the Vatican. He visited prisoners in Rome's jail. He traveled around. He visited orphanages, schools, churches. He was open to all people. Now, it's funny, he's quoted as saying, I love this quote by Pope John XXIII, it often happens that I wake up at night and to begin to think about a serious problem and or I wake up from a dream of a serious problem and the first thing that comes to my mind is, I got to tell the Pope about this. And then he says, then I realize, oh my, I am the Pope. <laughs> so I love that. Now, his most memorable act was calling Vatican II with the goal of renewing the church. Now, I want to, I'm not going to get into Vatican II here. I want to save that for a talk because Vatican II is one of the most misunderstood. Now, I'm not saying some things didn't go wrong. Absolutely, some things went wrong. But you know what mainly they were? Misimplementations, misrepresentations. People all blame Vatican II for changing the altars and turning them around. Vatican II never decreed to turn the altars around. Many people blame Vatican II that the religious all started dropping their habits. Vatican II never decreed that the religious should start dropping their habits. So the point is, yes, there are some problems from Vatican II, but most of it is misimplementation. These are things that were not taught or decreed by Vatican II, but yet were misinterpreted by the message of Vatican II and therefore done. So we have to keep this in mind. You know, he opened the council on this date in 1962. So that's why they put the feast date. He had already been diagnosed, though, with stomach cancer. And so when Vatican II opened, the first thing he said is he says, at least I have launched this big ship but somebody else will have to bring it into port. That somebody else was John Paul. Fascinating. That's why they were canonized together. Usually a saint's feast day is on the date of their death. He died in June, June 3rd, 1963. So that must have been the Cuban Missile Crisis was 62 then. So anyway, his feast day as today normally would be the day you die. It's not. For him, it was the day they launched Vatican II. This is the day the big ship was brought in or launched. Now, as I mentioned, Pope Francis canonized these two together back in 2014 on April 27th. Now, here's the other fascinating thing I wanted to point out. Why is it that he canonized those two together? All right. I believe it was God's will because of their connection on divine mercy. We always think of John Paul II as the Pope when it came to divine mercy, and rightfully so. He promulgated it. He canonized Faustina. He promulgated the Feast of Divine Mercy. But do you know why John Paul basically declared divine mercy the central mission of his pontificate and canonized Faustina? John XXIII saved divine mercy. Before John Paul promulgated it, John the 23rd saved it. I would not be here today because I would not be a Marian father if it wasn't for divine mercy. And there would be no divine mercy devotion right now 
if it wasn't for John the 23rd. John Paul promulgated it, but he wouldn't even have the chance if something didn't happen on John, Paul, uh, John the 23rd's first day of his pontificate. Now, this is critically important. I got, how ironic that last night as I was answering the online comments, I got an email from Brother Matthew Tomini. He's our next ordained priest. And I had the honor he asked me to preach at his ordination. It's a, a huge honor for me. And so Deacon Matthew sends me this email and saying, Father, thank you for teaching or preaching at my first, at my first mass. I'm sorry, not the ordination, the first mass. He said, by the way, I want you to look at this attachment I sent you that condemns St. Faustina and the message of divine mercy. Do you think you could respond to it? So I'm reading it. And basically, it's what I've heard so many times from people before. This was banned by John the 23rd. So why does the church have it now? It's a false, it's false. No, the church is not banning St. Faustina and the message and the image. Well, Father, it was banned by John the 23rd. Do you know the story? Here's the story. And this is confirmed by his secretary. Pope John XXIII was enthroned as Pope in 1958. And he took office his first day. He went to his desk in the Vatican. And there was a stack and pile of documents waiting for him to sign. They wanted his signature. Knowing the bureaucracy of the Vatican and how it worked, he knew that people sometimes tried to sneak in their documents and place them on the bottom of the stack if they wanted it rubber-stamped. Why would they do that? Their thought was that by the time the Pope, he's going to really address those first top ones. He's really going to pay a lot of attention to them. We don't want him to pay attention to this one. There were a couple bishops that wanted to blackball St. Faustina and put it on the bottom, hoping that he'd be so tired after he got through the whole stack, he'd just be like, just give it to me, I'll sign it. I've been like that. Now, these people, I can't, you can't blame them entirely because they were basing their opposition to St. Faustina based on a faulty translation. There was a faulty translation that said many errors in Faustina's words. And none, a single none, translating it from the Polish to the Italian got several things wrong. For instance, one, one thing St. Faustina said is, she said, I am divine mercy. Well, my goodness. If somebody says, I am the divine mercy and not Jesus, you should ban them. So these bishops tried to ban St. Faustina. They put a slip at the bottom of the stack of John Paul's papers hoping he'd rubber stamp it. And it was a permanent ban forever on divine mercy. It was a request that he signed permanently banning the image and any teachings of St. Faustina and the showing of the images, which had already by 1958 been throughout many churches of Europe. You know what John Paul II did, or uh, John the 23rd did? 
He came down, sat at the desk, prayed to the Holy Spirit, knowing that some of these things at the bottom were trying to be rubber stamped through. He took the pile and he flipped it upside down. This is according to his secretary. And the first one that he pulled off the top of that stack, which was the bottom one, was a request to ban St. Faustina and all images of divine mercy. Now, this is what happened. So he made the sign of the cross, flipped it upside down, and the very first thing he dealt with was a request to permanently decree a ban on St. Faustina's revelation and the spread of the divine mercy and the removal of all divine mercy images from the churches. Now, the reason, as I said, that some sought this ban was because of these faulty translations. John the 23rd read this carefully, shook his head and said, no, no, no. This must be looked into further. The bishops of Poland must be consulted. I want to know what they have to say. But here's the problem. They couldn't be consulted because communism had such a tight stranglehold over Poland at the time. This is fascinating. And so they strangleholded the bishops of Poland and the communists kept this tight grip on them and so he couldn't find out what was the true story. So instead of a permanently banning divine mercy and the images, instead of a decree forever forbidding the message, he simply put out a prohibition. This is critical. It was just a prohibition which could eventually be lifted after they investigate it. What this is basically doing, it's kind of like in the church. Here's the exact example that I could think of. A priest is accused. What does the church do? They temporarily pull them out of ministry until they investigate. They pull them out and they investigate. What happens if they investigate and they find them completely innocent? He's put back in. But there are many people who will never forget that he was pulled out to be investigated. And they will never forgive that priest, even if he's been totally exonerated. This is what's going on with these people who keep saying it was banned, and therefore Faustina is not authentic. She was pulled out for investigation. Once it was investigated and they discovered the false translation, it was all reinstituted. That's why you have the faith and the, and the confidence that this is fully approved by the church. Please don't fall for these rumors that are going around questioning God's divine mercy. So this is the story. So anyway, he issued not a permanent decree, but a, just a prohibition which was lifted through the efforts of Carol Wojtyla who later became John Paul. You know, our own beloved Father Kaz. Father Kaz said that the ban forced the issue. It created the opportunity for a proper investigation of her writings, drawing from the original documents with a correct translation. Father Kaz said it was a blessing in disguise. So when you're told that the divine mercy was banned and you should not follow it, 
This is the full story. The ban was lifted and it became the greatest grassroots movement in the history of the church. For the first time in history, two popes were simultaneously canonized. John Paul for making divine mercy the heart of his pontificate and John XXIII for saving it. That's amazing. Together, it's all about mercy. If you remember that day of canonization, it was the two mercy popes. You know, John Twenty-third. I'll finish with his quote. He said, frequently, the church has condemned errors with the greatest severity. Nowadays, however, I hope and I will lead the church in preferring to make use of the medicine of mercy rather than that of severity. What a great day. And let us remember on this day those who stepped out like Columbus to spread the message of Christ to lands unknown. Let's pray for those people who, yes, did suffer disease, and poverty, but let us all recognize that there's a greater good than our temporal well-being. That is our spiritual and eternal well-being. That was a blessing in disguise for the native people, not a blessing in terms of that they suffered temporally, but a blessing in disguise that Christ, the only way to salvation, was brought to them. So today is a special day. And I'm sure when I get back, I'm trying to get home to see my sick parents. When I get back, I'm sure there'll be another day next week where I'll say, this is a great day. But that's the beauty of our faith. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.